Starting today, Friday, December 4th through Sunday, uh, December 6th, DNVR will be hosting the Elf on the Shelf shootout at Pebble Beach. All country clubs can participate, and better yet, anyone can win as long as you play. You're entered to win a prize. All you have to do is join the DNVR for Country Club if you haven't played. Head to Pebble Beach Golf Course and enter into the closest to whole challenge. Submit your screenshot on our pinned Twitter thread, DNVR underscore sports, or email them at to info at the DNVR.com. Once you have entered to win, we will choose a random winner each week to pick out a dmvr shirt of their choice and mask and we'll ship it to you i already played this tournament <laughs> sub 300 club sub 300 club Ellie? no kept hitting it in the water but you know i just i had a really good first hole and then i just fell off the deep end i complained about it already in our golf slack but i am determined to get good at this game and i saw some people in the dnvr lounge also saying they're determined to get good so play these tournaments i feel like that's such a good way um to practice even if at first you suck because that that's me right now the the great thing about the close to the hole or close to the pin challenges is they take like a minute to play they're yeah. they're so quick so you can just bang them out like whenever you want Yep. Uh, Harrison and I are perennial members of the sub 300 club. Uh, t- top 10 finishes, you know, all the above. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. really Thank proud you. of you guys. You know, um, I hit one, I don't know what, what it is, but I hit one that was like 12.4. That was the first hole. And I was like, hell yeah. And then like, you I hit the, it in the bunker uh, every other time. Did you, you get, get the, the vibrate, the vibration? Yeah. yeah. When you hit it. Yeah. There's, there's few better feelings in the world. Um, <laughs> And getting that heartbeat. <laughs> okay. Um, it quite host- literally makes you feel alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will host a new course every week leading up to Christmas, like I said. So if you're determined to get good at this game like I am, check out all the courses every single week. Winners are picked every Monday, and you've got nothing to lose. Anyways, download G- WGT today. If you haven't, join that DMVR4 Country Club and uh, tweet at us when you finish playing Elf on the Shelf Shootout. Oh, you got Clever the name, name right, right this week. Candid Yams Forever. Candid mm. Yams. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Welcome mm, into... Unnecessary side swipe there. That's rude. <laughs> Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landeskog. Welcome into the Denver Sports Podcast, presented by Wreckenridge Brewery. Ooh, and with Christmas today's hail. topic, I think some of our guys are going to need to drink some Wreck Brews, including Drew, probably mainly Drew, uh, because this is a bit of a hot topic um, on social media right now with a few things going on. The headline of the show is, of course, how is ownership impacting Denver teams? And we've had some news on the Bolin family for the Broncos, as well as Dick Montfort and uh, the Rockies. So, Ryan, we're going to start off with you and the Broncos situation um, because, once again, this week, Beth Bolin came out with a statement, not really saying much, but kind of insinuating that it just seems like they're going to sell the team. Um, So, Ryan, I'll let you take over. Yeah, I just want to start by saying what's an owner. Uh, Not familiar (laughs) with the term. Uh, Haven't seen one in many years. Um, so yeah, I think the Broncos are a perfect case of why having an owner is so important. Um, there's no one holding anyone accountable right now, uh, around that place. And, you know, John Elway has had his ups and downs, but like, there's no one, he doesn't have a boss. And like, technically people say Joe Ellis is his boss, but Joe Ellis has said publicly, like, I don't dabble in football operations. So that tells you right there that. 
John Elway is working unchecked. And to be completely fair, Joe Ellis is working unchecked too. Uh, and it's not working for the Broncos. And that, that might, might not be the main reason why they're struggling, but it certainly is not helping. Um, and so, yeah, this week, I guess Beth Bowen released a statement. Uh, it was really just a collection of words arranged in a specific format uh, to... Like most statements are? To say, like, hello, uh, I exist. Um, that's all I got from it. But I guess some people read it to say, like, uh, that she wants the sale of the team. And then there's been some follow-up reporting since then that has kind of corroborated that and said, yeah, you know, part, some of the Bolin family members, specifically the kids, uh, are pushing for a sale of the team. And, uh, you know, as much as I uh, like Brittany Bolin, uh, and I believe the Bolin family has done incredible things for the Denver Broncos, uh, and really for sports in Denver as a whole, I think I'm just reaching a point where I'm just team sell it. Like, I'm so sick of this back and forth between the Bolins and this, like, you know, as I called it, like, bickering over who gets the best seat at the Thanksgiving table. It's just so annoying. Uh, no one wants to see that. I actually heard a clip uh, uh, from Drew's podcast the other day where he said he, no one wants to hear billionaires complain. And it's it's true. Like, uh, everyone's getting sick of this. The Broncos are just getting worse because they don't have, uh, you know, leadership and ownership. And I don't have any faith in uh, the trustees to make this swift because as I pointed out on our podcast the other day, the trustees are making six-figure salaries just for being the trustee, just for being the trust. So why would they be in a rush to appoint one of the kids to be an owner if they can just keep delaying? You know, especially with Brittany being so young, they could say, "Well, you know, we're going to wait until Brittany's 38 and keep our six-figure salaries for you know several more years." So that doesn't give me any confidence. And so I, I'm kind of hoping that the, that the Bowen family does just get together and say, "You know what? Let's just sell the team." and have the uh, terrible consolation prize of splitting $3 billion seven different ways. Pretty crazy. For people who might not know about this Poland Bronco situation, I think most people do. Right now, the trust, there's only a certain number of uh, kids who are qualified under Pat Boland's kind of rules that he gave out to take over the team. And that's pretty much Brittany Bolin. Like Ryan said, she's really young. Um, she's been working throughout the organization for a few years now, trying to get to know. She's very, she has really great degrees. She went to really great universities. Um, a lot of things that Pat Bolin wanted in an owner, if one of his kids were to take over. Um, but she is really young and this, and, and then all the other kids are just battling for the money. So it's really become, a shit show to say the least adult language there. Um, but that's really the way that this looks like. Um, someone asked in the comments, how would a new owner help the Broncos, Ryan? Um, they Austin here said, because the person coming in would most likely hold on to Elway. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the mind. John Elway's contract runs out next year. Uh, and I honestly wouldn't be surprised if at that time, both parties just end up going separate ways. Uh, and, you know, John Elliott can kind of go out on his own terms to just say, I'm, re I'm ready to go pursue other ventures in my life and the Broncos can start over. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think it's certainly on the table. Uh, I know John Elway, the very last thing he wants to do is leave the Broncos in a bad place. And that's why he keeps, you know, in Holding his on another in year. His, yeah. In his words, swinging and missing. Um, you know, he wants, he wants to get this right. You know, it means a lot to the Denver Broncos mean a lot to him and the Denver Broncos winning means a lot to him. So, you know, I think his perfect scenario would have been Drew Locke hits. The Broncos are on a, on an upward trend and he rides off into the sunset saying, you guys got this from here. Um, unfortunately it's not trending that way right now. Uh, but I think that's kind of the best case scenario for the Broncos. And that's what, what, what John Elway wants is to leave this team in a good place. Um, as for how an owner would help. And this is one point that I forgot to mention in my kind of opening there is money, 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 money. You know, the Broncos, money, money, money. the Broncos aren't <laughs> in a, a very cash rich position right now. And as you look around at a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, which, of course, everyone is comparing themselves to right now, especially in the AFC West, they are, um, to steal a term from Parks and Rec, flush with cash. Um, the, and, and it's allowing them to do 
whatever they want. You know, there's an old uh, idea that like, oh, after you win a Super Bowl, it's really hard to keep your team together because everyone's price just went up. Well, the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs gave a big middle finger to that idea uh, and just paid everyone. Uh, and, you know, as I always say on the Broncos podcast, the salary cap is fake. Um, it, it's just an excuse. If you want to work around the salary cap, you can in the NFL, and the, and the Chiefs have proven that. So uh, cash is a huge, huge part of, of being a successful owner. Uh, and obviously the Broncos without an owner are in a cash uh, problem. Uh, and to be completely honest, even if it were to stay in the Bolin family, uh, the Bolins don't have the type of money that you're seeing, uh, you know, these other uh, massive owners have. The Mark Cubans, the, the you know, Steve Ballmers, the, the Clark Hunts. So um, that's another thing that I think would really have, uh, help. Who knows what they would do uh, with John Elway. But it would also, I think, just help to have someone who's, you know, holding John Elway accountable. We also saw this last weekend what having an owner might have done for the Broncos as the Broncos uh, played a game with no quarterbacks on the roster. And this league with uh, Goodell, possibly if the Broncos had someone fighting for the team saying, no, we're not playing this game, an owner to talk to Goodell, then maybe it wouldn't have happened because we saw a lot of what happened with the rest of the weekend with the Steelers and the Ravens. And so having an owner would also just have someone who is looking out for your team um, when it comes to sitting at that big table um, of owners in the NFL. And obviously we know Joe Ellis isn't doing that. And so that could have been another reason why the Broncos actually did play that game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Joe Ellis did his best to do whatever he could, and John Elway said, you know, he tried too. But there's a difference. Like, Roger Goodell works for the owners. He is employed by the owners. Um, so, you know, if an owner, a powerful owner, comes to him and says, hey, man, we need you to help us out a little bit here, there's a lot better chance of him obliging than the Broncos, who don't even have an owner, trying to get their way. Uh, and, and, and I do think they kind of got pushed around a little bit last weekend. From everyone else's perspective, I want to hear outside looking in with all of these other ownership issues or just ownerships that you guys have. How do you feel about this Broncos situation? I'll start with you, AJ. Uh, I mean, I think the lack of leadership is instability that really hurts them. An organiza every organization, every business takes its cues from the top. You know, I mean, you look at look at how we as a company have grown over time. And how we reflect so many of the ways in which Brandon has grown over the years and the way that our leadership has grown. And we kind of found we found our rhythm that way. It's not unlike any other organization. Sports sports teams aren't any different. You have an identity. You have you have confidence. You have accountability. You know, the the Cronkies are interesting because they're a little more hands off in a lot of ways, but they hire people. And they say, go do the job. And if they have a problem, then they come into them and they say, hey, what's going on here? When you don't have a clear-cut owner and it's like this random dude, Joe Ellis, it's like, okay, well, John Elway has to, what, answer to Joe Ellis, who he's pals with? You know, like, it's not, it's it's not, a, the, there isn't a clear-cut hierarchy. There isn't a, a, a person at the very top that the organization kind of takes its cues from. It's this collaboration, which just doesn't, if it worked great, you could say, Hey, it's unconventional, but what are you going to criticize about it? But it's not working. And it's the worst, you know, most unsuccessful era of Broncos football in modern history. And I don't think that it's a coincidence. Yeah. Uh, you made a good point there of like this by committee type approach. It's like, you know, if you're rotating quarterbacks in and out of there, trying to figure out which one is the quarterback, it's not going to work out very well. Look at the uh, Eagles. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, you need an owner. You need a quarterback. It, it doesn't work when you're trying to, you know, do a by committee approach. Or, you know, Drew can tell you closer by committee. That doesn't work either. Yeah, <laughs> bad idea. Um, Harrison, how about you? From an outside looking in perspective, how do you feel about the Broncos ownership debacle? Usually, this is the case in the NBA, and I'm sure it's the case in most sports, but the more involved and like the more public and the more out there an owner is, it, it's usually a bad thing. Like you want your owner to um, like AJ was saying, hire the right people, let them do their job and, and just kind of be there as a soundboard. 
uh, for that organization. The fact that the Broncos, uh, they don't have an owner, but their ownership situation has, like, there's just been so much noise about it. Um, it's it's like the worst thing that can happen now. So, I mean, I agree with what all you guys are saying. Uh, it just seems like there's a lack of leadership because it does start at the top, and that's the tone that's set throughout the uh, entire organization. Drew, we'll talk about the Rockies situation in a second, but you're also dealing with an ownership that is that is struggling, especially with the fan base. Uh, what do you think of the Broncos situation? Yeah, it's interesting because it's almost like the complete opposite, right? The the Rockies have an owner who's way too involved in everyday baseball decisions, trying to do stuff that's really not supposed to be like an owner's job, overruling the GM on trades and, and signings and all this stuff. Uh, and so that's like, they're at the opposite ends of the extreme. And the Broncos just have nobody there to, to have a final ruling. Of it's like, you don't want this person overruling everybody all the time and insisting that the people that they've hired to do the, the baseball job or the football job, you know, in this case, like you, you've got to let your GM work. That, and, and at some point, you know, it, it is on the GMs to, to build the rosters and all of that. But the ultimate accountability has to be there. The sort of standard has to be set. And that's, I think, maybe the one word that, that, that feels like it applies to the Broncos right now is like their standard has has gone away. Their, their sort of organization-wide philosophy of this is who we are is gone. And that's that's pretty incredible for somebody who's watched this team, you know, for most of my life when they've been even when they weren't good, they weren't irrelevant. And right now they feel pretty close to irrelevant. Yeah, no matter what was going on during the school, the season, like the Broncos were in the news. That's just like the way that the Broncos organization was. Right. Yeah, Um, and they they still find a way to always be in the news. Still in the news. That's just um, because of a little bit of a dysfunction, in my opinion. <laughs> We've got someone else in the comments. Uh, Ryan saying, let Peyton Manning run them. Give him an ownership piece to get him. Um, there has been talks of Peyton Manning being possibly interested, but he couldn't buy the entire team himself. Yeah, and, and that's you know how a lot of these things work. Um, rich people have rich friends, and they get together and say, let's buy a team. Uh, and I think everyone in Denver categorically would love that idea. Um, if Peyton Manning was part of a group to run a team and, you know, uh, that's probably what it's going to be for Peyton Manning when he's going to be involved with the football team. You know, every year we laugh as someone, you know, comments on our podcast that Peyton Manning should be the new head coach or the new offensive coordinator or even the quarterback's coach. And it's like, nah. He's not doing that. Uh, we're talking about a guy who turned down $20 million a year to just call Monday night football games. Uh, he's shooting for the stars here. I think for him, it's going to be ownership. Uh, and hopefully he's, you know, I, I mean, I think if the Broncos went up for sale today, he'd have a group tomorrow uh, or later today that's ready to do this. You know, he's already they already tried once uh, with the Carolina Panthers. So the only thing that goes against that is that the NFL prefers – one big owner. The owner, you know, like they don't want the ownership group with one person putting putting the money in and another person being the face. You know, it gets a little bit convoluted. So they would prefer one, you know, big rich person comes in and says, here's all here's all the money. I'm the owner now. Um, there's a couple names that, are, you know, get brought up. The one that, you know, uh, people may have not heard of, but I've heard of in circles is a guy by the name of Robert Smith who is a Denver-based billionaire. Uh, the only thing about him is he apparently just got into a uh, big uh, tax evasion fraud Ooh. thing, um, which I guess he's paying like a hundred-plus million-dollar settlement in. Um, so I don't know how Some the NFL cool would react. Guy stuff. I was going to say, I don't know how the NFL would re- react. <laughs> that, that's that just like a normal Tuesday afternoon for him. <laughs> that's what I said. I said yeah. that's the cost of doing business when you're a billionaire. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think, uh, you know, he's a name that could be, uh, involved. Obviously a lot of people throw around the name Jeff Bezos. I'm pretty sure it's so just much. because like, he is like the, the most 
He could definitely be a hands-off owner. I think he's got a lot of other <laughs> stuff going on to occupy stuff. Yeah, but it's also nice when your owner has other revenue streams. Yeah. Uh, you want that, you know, where so it's not just the yeah. team's money because an NFL team, mm. weird, weird as it is, a sports team like on a billion-dollar scale doesn't really make that much money. Uh, you know, it's again, you, that's why you want the owners who look at this as a challenge that, you know, they just want a fun toy that they could try to make into a totally, champion. Totally. It's a if you, it, yeah. If you look at a lot of NBA owners, Vivek Ranadive in uh, Sacramento, a lot of the new kind of software and tech guys, they just have their NBA team as just this cool, shiny toy off to the side that they can sit courtside at the games. They can, uh, give courtside tickets and suites to like all their tech bros in Silicon Valley. Like that's why a lot of these guys uh, have the team. A lot of NBA, NBA owners, this is the case with uh, the 76ers, Sixers owners. They're these private equity guys who are, are like, you know, buy a distressed asset and try to pump it up and then eventually sell it. So a, a lot of, a lot of owners, like, yes, there are some that are just, you know, the diehard fan. The new owner of the Utah Jazz is that way. He's like the Salt Lake City guy who's just a big, big-time Jazz fan and loves the team. Those guys are great. But a lot of them just have their team as just kind of this cool toy. It's like their sports car that's off to the side that they can just show off to their friends. I don't know. That simple. And that's Why? fine. And that's fine because you don't want to show off your crappy Honda Civic uh 2001 to your friends like that you when you are using your team as something you want to show off you want to turn it into a ferrari i don't know why this just reminded me of somebody's in a wind tunnel what the hell that was like a full-on like off of the side of the highway (laughs) legit street race going on outside this house Drew's yelling like I'm on a podcast. Can you be respectful? What dumpster truck guy? What are we doing here? Apparently, it's trash. He drove into your house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know why this is really well. It's on topic, but kind of off topic. Ryan, I don't remember the story completely, but wasn't there a guy who convinced um someone to sell them a team without having any money? Yeah, AJ can speak on this. This is a that's an old NHL story. It's my favorite thirty for thirty um, about the guy who mm. just hung out around rich people and then convinced everyone he was rich based on the company that he kept, uh, and then convinced uh, it was the the Islanders, right? Yeah, uh, John Spano. Yeah, oddly enough, that, that's what the Spano <laughs> over here was yelling. Both Spanos, man. <laughs> AJ, for the people who might not know the story, tell me a little bit about it. Because it's a crazy story. Yeah, uh, basically, he he did uh, what some rich guys get away get away with doing, which is they pretended they were rich until some and somebody important believed them to the point where um, financial institutions were like, oh, well, that guy must be rich. Look at the company that he keeps. Sure, we'll give this guy a huge loan without doing any of the background work to make sure that he's totally legit and more or less conned his way into becoming the owner of the Islanders. And he uh, was until... like this close to actually yeah. owning the Islanders because apparently yeah. he was like, he just needed to like complete this one payment that was like $250,000 or something like not nothing like that crazy. And he had convinced a guy to like lend him that money and pay for it. And so if he would have gotten that one payment in, he actually would have owned the Islanders. And then God knows oh. what would have happened. But uh, yeah, you got to watch the 30 for 30 because <laughs> it is, it's fantastic. Like that, that type of stuff is so fascinating to me. Yeah. The way the, the way that rich people just manipulate the system to their benefit. It's <laughs> well, it's he so wasn't rich. Dude. I mean, he, well, and he, like he was, yeah. he pretended to be and yeah. like, just it just worked out for him he just continued this whole charade forever and ever it's crazy there was yeah, actually a I... really really long article um in the new york times about this girl who did the same thing she was like 18 but she just conv- she just like bought a bunch of expensive clothes all that stuff and and found a way to live in new york city 
not pay any rent, go to all of the best events and and just con everyone. And then she got caught and is now in jail. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah it, it is really crazy. I used to have a saying that like if you're just wearing a suit, uh, anyone will believe anything you say. Uh, and I think that applies here. <laughs> Okay, um, before we start talking about the Rockies, guys, the gyms may not be full, but there's definitely no shortage of madness this college basketball season. For us fans of college basketball powers that have gifted us with a top-tier matchup between two powerhouses this weekend, Gonzaga and Baylor will be going toe-to-toe for what could be the nation's top ranking. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is bringing you closer to the action. Puppy. Um, with these can't-miss offers, DraftKings is giving all college basketball fans who sign up now the chance to win $100 when betting on either Gonzaga or Baylor to win this Clash of Titans. Plus, you'll get a deposit bonus up to $1,000 when you sign up using that promo code DNVR. Ryan, who are you taking? Or are you hedging? Uh, I mean, I would definitely be hedging if I had that opportunity, but I Which do like a new term I learned. We just did an explainer on it. I knew about emotional hedging, but now, well, I knew the idea of emotional hedging. Now I know what actual love, hedging is. I love that Allie knows what emotional hedging is before she knows what actual hedging is. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, That's I didn't know that there was like words. a hedge cal- a calculator and everything. Like, I didn't know any of that, but I knew emotional hedging was betting on the other team so that your heart doesn't break fully uh, when your team loses, which my is least, inevitable in my life. My least favorite part about sports betting is how much math is involved, but there are resources. <laughs> um, so who would you be taking? I think I interrupted you. I would take the Zags. The Zags. Anyone else? Harrison? I was watching Gonzaga uh, the other night against West Virginia, and their uh, their point guard, like Gonzaga's top-rated recruit ever, looked like he tore his Achilles in the middle of the game and then just came back in, in the second half and kept playing. So oh. for that yeah. reason, I'm I'm sticking with the Zags. Good, good logic. <laughs> the Zags. The toughest, okay. the toughest team in the nation. All right, Drew, do you have any ideas? I buy Harris if they got Superman on that team. I think you got to go with them. Yeah. The Zags. So, I've honestly never know. heard that nickname. Well, that's not that's the nickname of their nickname. Okay, AJ. Yeah, I mean, they beat Kansas, so obviously I'm not betting against them. Also, Harrison? screw Baylor, just for what it's worth. Okay. Yeah, Baylor <laughs> doesn't yeah, deserve should, to. They don't deserve to. Yeah. They don't deserve to have sports programs anymore after everything that they've pulled over the years. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, you could certainly make that case. Between between both the football and the basketball programs, I'm I'm shocked that I, if they weren't in Texas. Yep, and they tried to write a letter to the Pac-12 that they should be in the Pac-12 over CU. So yeah, an extra yeah. fu to them. <laughs> it's a they shouldn't. They're not. They're nothing. They're nobody. A bunch of dorks go there. Okay, well, well, unless you're listening, then you're cool. Yeah, no, unless... you're still a dork. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the DNVR fam is telling you to take Gonzaga. Um, download that top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up for your shot to turn $1 into $100 when betting on either Gonzala... Gonzala? <laughs> Chichi Gonzalez is that's what I was thinking. Um, either Gonzaga or Baylor to win. That's right, one dollar to win one hundred dollars. Again, these guys are telling you bet on Gonzaga. Um, for a limited time only, DraftKings Sportsbook must be twenty-one or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires twenty-five x playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. And of course, if you have a gambling problem, uh, call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero. Drew, it, it's your it's your time to shine. Um, is, that, is that what this is? It's, it's your time to shine. Obviously, the Rockies have been in the news lately. Um, they non-tendered David Dahl, Tony Walters, and Chichi Gonzalez, like I um, said during that DraftKings read. Um, the big deal on social media right now really is David Dahl. Um, yep. And there are many reports that 
are saying that the, these moves are mainly driven by the lack of ticket revenue. Um, in 2020, of course, they had no fans in there for the Rockies. And uh, Dick Mumford, Rockies owner, reached out to season ticket holders earlier this month and said there will be nothing normal about this offseason as the industry faces a new economic reality. Drew, you wrote a piece. A lot of people are are after Jeff Breidich. Um, and you wrote a piece saying that it's not all on him that Dick really has a lot to do with this. Um, so how is ownership impacting the Rockies? So, yeah, in my estimation, oh, see, he's not happy. Not having it. <laughs> I don't think anyone is. Um, in my estimation, ownership is impacting the Rockies far more than the general manager is. Whether you think the general manager has done a terrible job or merely a pretty bad job, look, the fact of the matter, and, and not to break down both the article that I wrote and the podcast that Patrick and I did like an hour and 20 minutes just on the David Dahl thing yesterday, but it boils down to this. If Jeff Breidich was gone tomorrow and the Colorado Rockies hired the best GM in all of baseball, Chip the problem, that's the guy, right? <laughs> we made one up, Chip Chipperson. And if this guy takes over as GM and he's just a genius of the game, <laughs> Master Taylor, <laughs> my man Chip, the, the problems are still the same. The problems were the same under Dan O'Dowd. The problems were the same under Bob Gebhardt, for those of you who know who that is. The problem with the Colorado Rockies, from the broadest perspective speaking, is that their owner very much wants for them to be good. And he is the combination of the two things that we talked about in the last segment. Somebody who thinks of his team both as kind of a, a, a shiny toy situation, but also as somebody who really does want to win. He sits front row. He loves baseball. He forms a personal connection with all of his players. Superstars love him. Go back and watch Todd Helton's retirement ceremony and the way he lovingly talked about Dick Monfort. He signed all those paychecks. Makes some sense. Hmm. Before I get to the real spicy stuff, Dick Monfort has done a great deal for Lodo. We've talked about this before, but it really does matter. He's been an extraordinary owner when it comes to the outside of baseball questions. And this is why I implore him and everyone out there writing to him to make your plea this, because firing Jeff Breidich doesn't solve the problem unless or until Dick Monfort stops making baseball decisions. He needs to focus on the party decks and the McGregor Square and making Lodo awesome in Coors Field, one of the best places you can take in a baseball game, and sitting in the front row and wearing jerseys and high-fiving his players and doing all that stuff. And stop when a GM comes to you and says, I've got this trade that's going to make us better and shed some payroll, but we are going to lose a guy that a lot of people like. And then you go, no, we can't lose that guy. Too many people like him. I got to sell that guy's jersey. And you go, well, then what did you hire me for, man? Like, and, and, and this is the problem. Like, the Rockies exist inside of a window. They can win with Dick Monfort as their owner, but you should not have to win in spite of your owner. And that's what it is. That's what the Colorado Rockies will have to do if he keeps making baseball decisions. He could step aside and just stop it. Get out of the room where the decisions are happening. Don't be there. Set the budget. You know, set a hard budget because he doesn't have and, – and part of this is to, like, I, I don't think he's given quite enough fair context of, like, how much less money the Colorado Rockies have to spend on their baseball team than the Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Mets and the – New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox and Chicago Cubs and some of these teams. It's like, but still, all that said, and the uniqueness of altitude, all that crap. But it's like, stop, just, just hashtag, just stop it, Dick. Just stop it. Stop doing stuff. You're, you know, the old phrase, you know, and I, and I do this. I, w I was the kid in high school. I was the kid in college. I'm sure at DNVR still, like, I'm out here, like, Mandalorian podcast or whatever you're doing too much maybe you know I don't know like I don't know like I need someone to rein me in and you guys sometimes do and sometimes you let me go I'm like how long are they gonna let me keep doing this so I get it but that's why I'm not in charge of DNVR that's why I'm one of the members of the team 
and you, you he wants to own the team and be one of the members of the team. You can't do that. And it's it, it is poisoned their ability forever. Yes, you can get to the World Series. And without a nine or ten game delay, maybe you can even win a World Series in spite of this guy. But it, it's it's bad, folks. And it's he I thought he'd maybe learned his lesson from the last generation and the Bill Guy Vet disaster and the Troy Tulowitzki, Carlos Gonzalez. And I really thought he was going in the right direction, but man, and then, you know, we hear about, and I don't know how many of you know about the possibility of the Charlie Blackman for Marcus Stroman deal and that that gets nixed by the owner. And then he sort of half apologizes for it after. And you're like, what are you doing involving yourself in those kinds of decisions, man? Yeah. You drew. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, so Someone I saw, has to I, you in, right? I, I've seen this a lot on social, and we have Austin here commenting about it. Um, the argument of the Rockies not having as much money, of course, as other teams, like the Red Sox and the Yankees, like, of course. But Austin here says they did spend the most in the MLB on a bullpen a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. So another thing that also needs to be clear is that the Rockies' problem isn't also that they don't spend enough money. That's not what Dick Monfort needs to do. So I wrote that article today, and I had a few people saying, like, how much does he need to increase the budget by for you to think, like, Jeff Breidich could be successful with that or or to realize he's bad? Like, it's not about the budget. Again, give him the best GM in baseball. Give him a $300 million or $350 million payroll. It doesn't matter if you're involving yourself in those kinds of decisions. The problem is that they've spent the money poorly. So that's on Jeff Breidich, right? A lot of that's on Jeff Breidich. I wrote an article about how the bullpen is no was nowhere near, like the three guys everyone thinks of, two of them were just as bad as everyone thinks. But the bullpen situation was a little bit more nuanced than I think people realize. And a lot of the spending a, a great deal of money on the bullpen that people conveniently leave out was Adam Adovino. But um, it, like, yes, Jeff Breidich has spent the money poorly. And it would be nice if the Rockies had a GM who spent the money right. And if they'd done all those things, then it's absolutely true that their current window would have been wider uh, if they had done things properly. But again, it's like what is proper part of being able to do that is being flexible. So sure, Jeff Breidich signs the Ian Desmond deal or the the Charlie Blackman deal or the Wade Davis deal or the Brian Shaw deal. But if he recognizes, shoot, okay, this isn't really working out. I got this offer and I can unload this guy. I know we just paid him, but Dick goes, well, then I'm paying him X amount of money. We can't just offload him for some kid I've never heard of. Then you're screwed. So, yeah, it's his fault for doing it in the first place. But when you've got an owner that will not let you get out from under – Every GM in baseball or football, basketball, NHL, everyone signs contracts that a year and a half later, they're like, oh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have signed that contract. And the good ones get out from underneath them. They trade those guys. They find a way to maneuver their way out of it. And if your owner won't let you have that kind of flexibility, that's what I mean by the Rockies being in this tight prison. It's like they've got to get everything right. They can't miss on two high-profile players or it sinks them for half a decade. Like that's that's a crap position to be in. And they wouldn't be in that position if they would just let the GM operate the team, whoever it's going to be. And no, I don't think Breitich would have all the answers, the magical answers. But again, I I, I think people are, are fooling themselves if they think you get Jeff Breitich out of here tomorrow, you bring in a great GM, and that guy's going to have a plan to turn the Rockies around, and he's going to have the freedom – an ability to do it because How about both. How about both? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, Dick Monfort gets out of the way and also in the process fires the hell out of Jeff Bridich. But I think Jeff Bridich obviously has all of these issues when it comes to that, but we've also seen and heard from players, p- players on the team having an issue with Jeff Bridich. I feel like that it's not just Jeff Bridich not maybe not managing things well, Dick Monfort being too involved, but he, his personality with some of the players on the team has not worked. So that could improve the locker or the the clubhouse oh, a little more. Well, I mean, yeah. and that's the problem with Jeff Bridich is he's, you know, uh, I saw Brandon tweet out something today. It was a quote from someone who said something along the lines of make 
make it easy to be your friend and hard to be your enemy and you'll go a long way in life or something along those lines. Well, Jeff Bradshaw's doing the opposite of that. Uh, he's making it difficult to be his friend and easy to be his enemy. Uh, and that's the big problem here is he he's a really easy target for the fans because for lack of a better term, he acts like a dick a lot of the time. Uh, yeah. And no one wants, to, you know, and people don't want a guy like that running their franchise, especially when the franchise is struggling. Yeah, no, I mean, all of that is definitely true. I just think that he's taken way much to heart this idea that he's got to go out there and be the bulletproof vest for Dick Monfort. And it's like, that's a, that's a dumb, that's just not, I, you know, I don't think that's a good way to approach the job of, of being GM. Let me put it that way. Like I don't, like, and he's been defensive from the beginning and had these kind of like, He's had these philosophies when it comes to the press of like, I'm not going to talk about any of our strategy. I'm going to treat everything like it's a nuclear secret, you know, and I get it. But yeah, RK is exactly right. He's he's made it very easy to be his enemy. And it for me, as somebody who has watched and, and very deeply researched this team for a, a long time now. My concern is that it has become a scapegoat, that there is this idea that like because it's gotten so toxic about him and he's created that. And so, you know, whatever. But getting rid of him, like I said, it just it just it doesn't solve the problem. It doesn't solve the larger problem that the Rockies have. And until they address that, you know, people are going to continue to go through these cycles where we're right back having this conversation again four or five years from now about the next guy and they put a better face on it, but is that better? Dan O'Dowd put a better face on it. He had better PR skills. He went out, but they had the same damn problems. They had the same bad personnel decisions, the same overpaying for stuff, but Dan O'Dowd went out and put a smiley face on it. So he got 14 years or whatever it was as the team's GM, you know, Breitich's thing is, He's the, he's almost the exact same, but he doesn't manage to put a good face on it. I feel like <laughs> sometimes sports fans, as, as you cover the team, so you see this in such a different way. I feel like sports fans sometimes need to see this happen over and over. They need to see Jeff Breidich leave and see the problem happen again. And I feel like it's it's a stubbornness that we have in our mind, but you're going to keep thinking someone else is the problem because you think that's going to fix it. So firing Jeff Breidich is a lot easier than Dick Mumford not being there in right. a fan's perspective. And so getting rid of Jeff is like instantly like the scapegoat, like you were saying, and it's going to take a few more years, I feel like, for fans to realize that it isn't all Jeff Breidich and that it has a lot to do with the ownership because of the way Dick is. Um, but I want to open this up to the floor, to Harrison, AJ, Rye, you already talked a bit, but seeing it from an outside perspective, looking in, and also carrying them and watching the Rockies, um, how have you guys felt about this situation? AJ, I've seen a few of your tweets, so I'll let you go first. I mean, Breidich just needs to stop being so smarmy in public like he has to recognize that pr is part of his job that answering to the people who who pay for tickets and merchandise and all that he you know as much as you answer to an owner you answer to the people who keep your franchise alive and because if you don't have a fan base your your franchise dies you know the the phillies are trying to claim they've lost two billion dollars this year like these these people these people are grifters. They're lying about everything because they're rich and they don't like losing. And you have you have Jeff Breidich rolling out there who's like, "No, I'm not gonna tell you anything." And it's just like like I get that he has an he he has an antagonistic relationship with local media, but some of that is self inflicted wound. All of that is you know self like wound. you can't you not can't get away it. from that. <laughs> not all of it. I'll just it's say not, that much. It's yeah. very easy to, to get the media to like you. Very, very easy. Yeah, this is not Boston. This is not New York. We don't we don't have the kind of media that pursues a negative relationship. That's with a people. great comment right there. You like, can only be Bill Belichick and just win. pull pull that crap with the media, pull that crap with the press if you back it up with winning. You can't carry on that act and 
not field, you know, a, a playoff team. You just can't. Look at Josh yeah. McDaniels. That's the perfect example of, you know, he wanted to do that whole thing and, uh, you know, act hard around everyone and be the tough guy boss. And then as soon as you start losing, he started 6-0. and and everyone was fine with it. Then as soon as you start losing, people start jumping off the ship real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just always I, I just always compare what the Rockies seem like they're doing to the Nuggets. And being around the Nuggets, guys, they're not doing rocket science over there. Like the Rocket the Nuggets aren't some um they're not this like this um groundbreaking organization that's coming out with all these different ways to to run a sports team and like it's not rocket science um tim Connolly, who's been running the nuggets for the last several years has got to have one of the more collaborative approaches in sports uh everybody in the nuggets front office from the lowest level scout to you know the assistant gm has input in in every decision that the nuggets make it's it's got to be one of the more collaborative approaches in all of sports and they're patient uh they're smart and, and ownership obviously comes in, in into this in a big way because um josh Kroenke, i don't think he started off when he kind of mm-hmm. took control of the nuggets on a good foot by any means but he's definitely grown in the job and learned when to give his input and when to stay out of situations and really let tim Conley just do his stuff but um it seems like to me that uh, Jeff Breidich tries to run the Rockies like he's sitting in some ivory tower. But uh, what I've learned from Tim Connolly is that you got to be selfish, selfless. You've got to admit that, yeah, I don't have all the answers sometimes. Yeah, I get lucky sometimes. He's the first one to admit that. And um, I feel like Breidich could could use some of that. I feel like in today's day and age, we see that even with us, like authenticity is so, so important in every industry and in journalism, the way we work with, with our members and everything, like being true and you make a mistake, you mess up. Like we're all human. I think people are willing to admit that a little more now, but if you're like true to that, if, if you do admit to when you make mistakes, if, if you make fun of yourself in certain situations, when you say canned yams or something like candid candid yams um i feel like authenticity is so big and you see that with tim Connolly. you see that um we just different like different uh general managers and i think that's kind of just jeff breidich has just not done that oh (laughs) drew do you want (laughs) to Eight, yep. or I guess, Drew, do you want to give a closing kind of statement on uh, the Rockies and your thoughts on it before we just kind of move on quickly to the Cronkies? Yeah, I mean, his heart's in the right place and his head is on Mars when it comes to modern baseball. Like, he doesn't – he's just got to get out of the way. and And I think – Look, he's not going to sell the team. I've seen a lot of people ask him, like, is there hope? Like, and, and this is this is the tough thing because I know Rockies fans are searching for hope. And they, they this is the question. Will they, will the Monforts ever leave? The short answer to that question is no. And after Dick Monfort's done owning the Colorado Rockies, Walker Monfort is going to own the Colorado Rockies. Cool and, name. Yeah. And, you know, that doesn't mean that they'll be the same people. And I met Walker a handful of times. He seems like a really smart and, you know, more forward-thinking, more – I mean, you know, he's a younger guy. He's going to think a little bit more about the digital world and care about streaming and things like that. I mean, they just miss these little boneheaded things all the time. They're not care at all about the digital process, stuff like that. And so, yeah, he's, he's kind of – that's right. He's got his heart in the right place. And he, he needs to be pressured by everyone in this city to let that guide him to getting his head out of the equation. Let somebody else run the team. I saw there was a question here earlier about what, what did Kelly McGregor do when he was around? This was his job to take all of the baseball things that needed to happen out there that Dan O'Dowd was trying to do at the time and explain to Dick Monfort, here's actually why we've got to trade Matt Holliday. And I know it's tough and fans are going to hate you for it. But 
This kid, Carlos Gonzalez, let me tell you the story of Carlos Gonzalez. That, that was Kelly McGregor's job. He was the team president, and they haven't had one since he tragically passed away long before his time. It is what this team needs more than anything. So, look, I get it. We just did it again. We had, This is supposed to be a conversation about the owners. We did a solid 15 minutes on Jeff Breidich. He is the easiest target in the world. Yeah, you want to turn yourself into that shit, then that's and, what happens, man. I'm not. I'm not saying he hasn't deserved it. You've never. You haven't heard me say that once. What I'm saying is, if you want to solve the problem, this is far more important than that. You need a team president, or you, at the very least, need him to step away and let the general manager act as the team president. I don't think. Is, Jeff is there Rides anyone? Could... Is there anyone that comes to mind that would be good as in that type of position? I mean, everyone's pie-in-the-sky hope would be Theo Epstein, right? And it's not as crazy as people think because Theo Epstein loves challenges in particular. Um, uh, I think, actually, Theo Epstein is a better candidate to potentially take over as uh, commissioner of Major League Baseball. Um, but it, any of his protégés, there's a lot of those those types of guys out there, The this, this sort of new wave of baseball minds and and, they just and hire bigger. somebody from Tampa Bay, just whoever from yeah. Tampa Bay. Yes, they can. They could. They they, they could. You know, and that's Patrick had, uh, in my estimation, the the tweet of the year at the very beginning of the Colorado Rockies offseason, where he said, if they went out and spent fifteen million dollars, twenty million, whatever you think, to sign Trevor Bauer or JT Real Muto, whoever you think is the best free agent, or both of them, or three, or three of the best free agents in baseball for. 60 70 100 million dollars it wouldn't be as good for their franchise if they spent 15 million dollars which is probably about what it would take to make theo epstein your president of baseball operations and let him run the show but if theo epstein walks into dick monfort's office and he goes yeah but every once in a while i'm going to veto some of your trades he's he's walking right out of that thing so well our, thanks thank you drew I know that you like Rocky's Twitter has just been a whirlwind the last few days because of all of these things. I when I told Drew we were going to talk about this, he just laughed um, because this has been your whole life. Right. Uh, this last week is just so well, much of this. Um, just know all of us at DMV, I really appreciate you no matter what's going on with the Rockies. Um, before we go move on to some cronky talk, uh, guys, you're eating a lot of food. It's thanks. We Thanksgiving just happened. I see everyone's thinking of how I'm going to transition. I'm this. not eating any food, but I wish I was. <laughs> okay, Thanksgiving just, just happened. Now it's the holidays. Christmas. You might see your parents. You might see your grandma over Facetime. And what they always ask the questions: What's going on? What's wrong with your teeth? Are you okay? Well, go to Green Mountain Dental <laughs> Group. Thing that happens. Kind of conversations. <laughs> Are you having here all the time? They, you know, parents and grandparents—they just kind of jut. Like, why are you wearing? Why are you wearing that? What's going on? How have you been to the doctor? Have you been to the dentist? Well, you can tell them you did go to the dentist because you checked out Green Mountain Dental Group um, in Lakewood. They are just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver. Get, leave me alone and let me <laughs> say my reads like I want to, AJ. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go, go to on. Green Mountain Dental Group. You get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. Um, something free. Come on. That's awesome. Just go schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam. They treat you like family. They're so nice over there. And they're just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver. If you've been looking for a new dentist, definitely check them out. Um, supporting them really supports us. So thank you all for laughing at me. Uh, um, Stefan here. Yeah. LMAO Alley, that was too funny. Uh, I don't like puns. Um, Patrick here, my grandparents asked if I tried the Breck Brew Palisade Peach. There you go. I'm drinking the Christmas ale, and it is fantastic. But you know what? Your grandparents may ask about all of our sponsors, so go check them out. Anyways, um, oh. AJ, I guess we'll go, we'll go to you after you were being mean. Um, I think... <laughs> I was just worried about what was going on with your, uh, your family dinners. landing on Drew's front porch. Drew, yeah, you've did, got a did. lot of interesting sounds coming from that way. Um, I think this is my life. It's I think like before 
jump into the Cronkies. This says it all. Austin said, can Joe Sackick and Tim Connolly run the Broncos and the Rockies? It truly does seem like, like you mentioned, um, Harrison the and AJ. The Cronkies kind of hire the right people and let them go from there. And instantly when you think of the abs and the nuggets, you think of Joe Sackick and Tim Connolly. And when you think of the mess that the Broncos and Rockies are in right now, comment like this occurs can joe sackick and tim Connolly run the broncos and the rockies brian said before the show is there anything when it comes to ownership um that you could complain about aj what'd you say it was yeah. uh they need a practice facility that is not <laughs> from 1995 when i hate you so much became a thing <laughs> why did they why did they spell uh, the the Candyland stuff. Lollipop, Lollipop Park. Park. <laughs> they, lollipop they Park. Candyland. How dare you smirch the good land name? I mean, Lollipop Park no longer exists because they they probably you know it requires people to come in and kids to ride those rides and you know everybody. With Lollipop Park out of the way, could the Avs just buy that entire area and make it their own? Maybe. I don't know. That has to yeah, be. Yeah, sure. If they want to raise that building and then rebuild it into a modern day facility, then I guess that's something they could do. Yeah, they that. already own uh, a ton of land downtown. That's why all the speculation has been that they're trying to find a place to move Elitches and then build a an NBA and NHL shared like super high-end practice facility that'll be right across the street from Pepsi Center. That's that's like the theory. <laughs> Sorry, a comment said Ali's grandma's bullies her. You know, my grandma's very... She's Spanish. She's very strict. And if she sees something wrong with you, she's not afraid to tell you. Um, sorry. I, just... I don't think there's anything wrong with you. Thanks. That was sweet. Anyways. <laughs> AJ. I, uh, wow. <clears throat> what, Drew? <laughs> I'm I'm still stuck on your oh now I got dogs yelling at me and stuff. I'm still stuck on your uh super villain phrase of with Candyland out of the way. Lollipop yeah. Park. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, AJ, my main well, first of all, I mean the Avs and Nuggets absolutely need uh better facilities. At least the Nuggets one is at the stadium. Like the Avs thing is kind of a joke. Like I get with the Broncos uh, situation considering they do everything out of their facility at Dove Valley all week and then they go to the stadium once on Sunday. That makes sense. But for the Avs to have their facility in a completely different part of the state uh, than, than the stadium in which they go to every day during the season almost makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's and like if the facility is that far away, at least have it be like a, a good class <laughs> yeah. facility. You know, like like Anaheim's new uh, practice facility is unbelievable, and it hosted the rookie tournament there last year, approximately fourteen years ago when it happened, and it was brand new and it's gorgeous. It's got three sheets of ice. It's super high end. The locker rooms are really nice. Every everything is as you would want it. And then you go and you look at where the abs are, and you're like. This is kind of a joke. Honestly. It's not even like it's not, not even kind of a joke. Like if you were to show this to a person who didn't know, like if you were just be like, "Hey, I'm going to take you to an NHL practice facility," and then brought them there, they would laugh. Like they would legitimately laugh. Yeah, I mean, rec leagues share their locker room when the abs aren't using it. Yep, that's crazy. And I mean, and is it uncommon for? Um, NHL practice facilities to be somewhere where it's um, open to the public for them to skate, do ice skating, do intramural leagues. Is that uncommon? Because no, at not least at all. in Washington, D.C., with the Caps, that's how their facility is. Um, it's really cool, but it's definitely yeah. that I had a bunch of birthday parties there and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, Kettler is totally different than Family Sports Center. Kettler is like a well, nice... Well, it's dope, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's but like it's a nice... That's, that's kind of what I'm saying, though, is that, like, these are nice facilities. It's connected to the, a mall. The, the sheets of ice are, are, you know, they're valuable, so they're always going to open those up to the public when teams aren't using them so that they can turn that into a money-making opportunity. It'd be dumb if that's that ice just sat there when they were in the off season, you know, so they, all of those, it's, it's just that they need to get into a, a 
facility that's not old and run down. It's like it's like Tropicana Field, you know? Like it's it's just there are some facilities that are just a joke. And this the where where both the Nuggets and the Abs practice is they're just not good. They're not modern, they're not they don't look sweet. They don't uh they don't inspire any kind of confidence. They did Considering all the money that they've been pouring into re- upgrading Pepsi Center as it goes, it's like they've got to get this right. Yeah. Yeah. AJ, is there anything else that has bothered you at all, or has in the in your opinion ownership has impacted the Avs? Uh, like the actual organization. Um, I mean, I struggle. I struggle. Their their Iron Curtain, you know, old school ways of of approaching media is frustrating. But it's not. I don't think that's an ownership thing. I think that's a they hired the PR people and the PR people run the show and that's their thing. So I don't think I don't blame ownership for our run-ins. I guess um, my my question about the Cronkies from an Avs perspective would just be: Do you feel like you know they're a uh, secondary child uh, in terms of how much they're loved by the parents, and do you think that has an impact on the actual product on the ice? I don't know that they are the secondary child. Um, that's why I'm spend, asking. They spend on the Avs without any question uh, when they. When they, uh, when we were going through all all of the pandemic and all this in the off season, I said, "Hey, is there anything from ownership that says you guys have spending limits?" Because there was a thing back in the day about the Avs won't sign somebody for more money than Matt Duchesne. That was nonsensical, and it never made. It was just it was stupid. And then when. It came time to pay Miko Rantanen. People were like, "Wow, they won't pay more than what they pay for Nathan McKinnon." And you know, Rantanen makes like three million dollars more per year now. So, uh, ownership has honestly been great to the ABS. Uh, you know, I know that the, the the luxury tax is a scary thing in the NBA that they have not been willing to go into. For the ABS, they've spent to the cap. When when the team has been competitive, they've never not given them the money to do what they want to do. So I honestly don't know that they are second class citizens in that building. They have they have all the cool stuff, bells and whistles, the neat, you know, the 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 facilities were all just redone in the last couple of years for both teams. Uh and they made like they customized the hallways and made them all very cool. And you could definitely feel on one side of the of the rink it's it's the abs and on the other it's the nuggets. So I don't I don't know that they are a second class citizen in there honestly. I think they do a great job of supporting the team. Uh it's just it's funny because when they were bad everybody was like the Cronkies don't know what they're doing. They need to get a president in there. They need to get a GM in there that knows what's going on. They're so bad. They've given too much loyalty to Joe Sackick. It's too much leash. They don't you know, they don't they don't know how to run an NHL team, so they're absentee parents, right? And then the, all of those people ended up looking tremendously stupid. <laughs> I feel like, like I was saying earlier, that's just like what happens. Like s- sports fans, and I, and I mean, I can be one of them, especially when it comes to the Eagles organization. But you're fir- you're the first thing you think of is the coach or the general man or the manager, the coach or the manager, and then the GM and then ownership. Like the, that's just you're blaming all of them when your team isn't doing well. And then when they do well, oh, my God, they're amazing. Why did I ever think they should be fired? <laughs> It's really just winning or losing. Um, Harrison, how do you feel about the Nuggets? That's a good question, Ryan asked. Do you feel like they're like a second they're treated kind of like a second child? Yeah, um, in a way, it's the biggest thing is the practice facility in the weight room. It's funny. Uh, like when Pepsi Center slash Ball Arena was built, having a practice court in your arena was like state of the art, but now it's, it's just way past its time and everybody has this huge separate practice facility and whatnot. Tor- it's funny, Tory Craig, uh, obviously left the Nuggets this off season and signed with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Bucks released this video of him in their, uh, weight room. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but it's just this absolutely sprawling weight room and he's doing like this monkey bars like challenge that they apparently have. And it's just like this huge area and the nuggets weight room 
it's right next to its practice court. It looks like a Planet Fitness, like to be completely honest. Like I'm sure Bull Bull, if he stretches out his arms, he can almost touch like wall to wall. <laughs> might be a little hyperbole, but it's not that big. It's really not. And um, I mean, that's the next step for them. And uh, like, yeah, it seems like there's going to be a huge practice facility where Elitches is, but that seems like it's years and years and years out still. Until um, they break ground, you can't even get yeah, excited about it's, it. It's like so far out, it's almost not even worth talking about. Um, so that's the biggest thing. And then the other thing with the Nuggets and the fact that they have like one of the more respected front offices in the league and probably one of the better coaching staffs in the league uh, is incredible, but they don't have a huge reputation of spending a lot of money on non-players. Like they'll spend money on their roster, but not always on coaching staffs and front offices and uh, that that sort of uh, the personnel side or the the staff side of things. So that would be the other thing that that jumps out that they could do a better job at. Um, if we were doing who won the week this week with all of the Bronco, <laughs> I feel like it would be who lost the week. I miss um, that. We should try and find a way now that sports are uh, yeah. coming back, especially the song, guys. You I miss the song. song. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's got to be the Nuggets, right? Huh? It's got to be won. the Nuggets, right? Who won they, the week? Training week? camp opened. Everybody's excited. The Rockies are a tire fire. The Broncos whatever that was just happened and the <laughs> nhl may not even have a season so oh uh, the nhl is gonna have a season yeah i'm not actually concerned even yeah. the about it uh yeah. yeah i think like the nuggets just by like doing the least would have won. they didn't even have to do anything they would have just won the week yep the broncos take on the kansas city chiefs this weekend and it's it's going to be an interesting one. Ryan, do you know what the spread is off the top of your head before we wrap up? 13 and a half. 13 and a half. Okay. Are you taking How do you feel about that? Are you taking it? No. No. No? Uh, AJ, you taking it? Vic, no. Let me just say, Vic Fangio, uh, no. in the Vic Fangio era, the Broncos have never even come close to covering that big of it. That's a huge spread. The Broncos have never even come close to covering that. So, um, it, it's not necessarily a good uh, setup for the Broncos. As I tweeted out, uh, the only hope is that the last time the Broncos beat uh, the Chiefs was in 2015. Um, another thing that hasn't happened since 2015 is the McRib being in Denver. Uh, and the McRib returned to Denver this week. So uh, the Broncos might might beat the Chiefs. It. Okay. Um, I, I think that's all we need when it comes to talking about the spread. I do want to give a shout out to BC Jayhawk Rocks. Uh, they left a review on iTunes, five stars, saying this is the best show to listen to if you love all or even some of the major Colorado sports teams. Fantastic show. We appreciate you for listening and definitely go leave us um, some reviews. If you're watching on YouTube, definitely hit us up with a like. All of those things really help us out. Um, so we would really appreciate it. Can the Mick Rib be the Rockies GM is what someone is saying in the comments. Can folks get a Mick Rib at the DMVR bar, Patrick? No. no. You know the answer. <laughs> Bar's closed, unfortunately, and we will not be doing takeout as of um, right now. So definitely check out DNVR Locker or subscribe to DNVR to support us. Or, you know, go to Green Mountain Dental Group so your grandma doesn't bully you. You know, do do that. <laughs> we will talk to you guys next week. Thank you for hanging out and have a wonderful weekend.